Welcome to the Sensible Center Podcast, where two middle-aged guys drunkenly talk politics and political reform. Grab an adult beverage and enjoy the show. Further information can be found at SensibleCenterPack.com. You can reach us at SensibleCenterPack at gmail.com or follow us on X at USASCPack. Bob, you there? Hey, Kevin. Hey, good evening. We were going to do a Valentine's Day podcast, right? But we thought that would be a little suspicious. We should be with our spouses. Is that what we decided? We love our to rel- hate, not hate to love, something like that. Our relationship would take a different turn at yeah. this point. That's right. I enjoy talking to you, but I don't want to have to sleep on your couch. You could reimburse me in cash for all the gifts that I give you, Bob. Yeah, I've, I've been taking lessons from the uh, Fannie Willis book of how to live yeah i was so, telling i was telling bob listeners that i couldn't i couldn't turn the the da district da uh, attorney in fulton county trial whatever she's not on trial but it was a trial um was today and i couldn't take my eyes off of <laughs> i'm a little bit embarrassed but I, I like courtroom drama you know i like real life courtroom drama and you learn something about the legal system through that so i you know and all three news all Fox, MSNBC, they covered it gavel to gavel or whatever today. So I, I spent way too much time watching that. So uh, we won't go into it here, but my, my take was she's straining the, the limits of credibility. Both of them are. Yeah, I think, I think, I think it's going to be very difficult for her to kind of stay on the case. And I think Trump's going to end up ahead on that one. Yeah, I think, I, I, unfortunately, I think there, that was a boneheaded move, whatever was being done down there. So I don't think it'll blow up the whole thing. I hope it doesn't because that would be quite unfortunate because I don't necessarily, although they said a new DA would have to, if she ended up not, or whoever takes over the case would have to kind of yeah. review whether they're going to plan on going forward with it. So maybe somebody else would have a different take on it and then not move forward it depends what side of the aisle is that da on what county are they in yeah how long will it take for them to get something slotted because then potentially you're in a whole new district yeah so it's quick it's pretty interesting so uh i think we talked about a month ago because we had that uh we had a braver angels if if listeners haven't listened to that i encourage you to listen to our guest podcast uh they were a great group Uh, we had a nice interview with them we appreciated them coming on, but that was our last podcast. So we haven't really talked about uh, a lot of stuff that's going on, like all these court decisions. It's really interesting. It's in, very. It, I think you're right, Bob. Twenty twenty four is going to be a very, very interesting year. Yeah, it's early. Um, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> it's, it's it's early, but there's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, it's going to get worse. Oh, Just great. imagine three, four months from the election, how intense it's going to get. I still don't think Biden's going to be there for it. But we'll see. So we have we have the Trump uh, immunity thing, which is, I guess is in front of the uh, the Supreme Court now to see whether they're going to take that up. But I think we both he, he, we both agree. He doesn't have immunity, right? Especially with the appeals court. I mean, th- this is what the appeals court they said at bottom: former President Trump stance would collapse our system of separated powers by placing the president beyond the reach of all three branches. <laughs> That's pretty strong language to say. You can't get away yeah. with. Whatever you want. No, checks and balances. You have to have checks and balances. There's no way he's immune. It'll be that interesting. Said, yeah. I think his point is he's trying to draw this out till the end. 
because he just needs to keep it to the point where, you know, he, he can appeal and then appeal again, and then he's kind of in the presidency anyway. There's not anything anybody can do to him. I don't think he's guilty, really, when it comes to the case, but he's definitely not immune from a case. Yep. Yeah, and then you got the Colorado case, which I, I guess is in front of them also. Um, that didn't sound – they had the, the hearing – I listened to much of the hearing last week on that one too. Um, that was kind of interesting. Uh, I don't think that's going to turn very, out very well for Colorado. I just can't see the Supremes saying that states can decide who appears on the presidential yeah. ballot. It's just too much. It's, it's opening a jar of worms that could completely tear the country apart. You've got to have some standard of conviction, you know, yeah, but uh, that, or measurement. You've got to have some firm standard of measurement because if you don't, again, and the, the court made a good case, or one of the judges did, basically stating, well, what if one president gives money to Iran? Iran's an enemy of the United States. Is that insurrection? Well, what if Texas decides this insurrection, right? So you start to get in a bit of a pissing match between states, and all of a sudden, you know, you got a, you got an issue. You got all the conservative states taking the liberal candidate off their ballots, and the opposite in the liberal states. Where do you end up? Yeah, I mean that's 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 the slippery slope argument. I don't. It's interesting that his lawyers weren't really making that. I think I forgot. Maybe Roberts brought that up, or maybe Alito. I think brought that up. I think it was Alito. Not not surprisingly, I think I would place him in the most conservative camp next to Thomas. Um, I don't know. I think I think Gorsuch. Well, my really? definition of conservative and libertarian is very close. I think, um, and, and we've had that conversation before. But I think Gorsuch is pretty libertarian. Uh, where I, I do think Thomas is probably more of a a right leaning. How do I say this? something partisan i mean he's he's on the right side of the aisle for sure but i'm not sure if i would consider him you know complete conservative he's still allows big government you know for conservative purposes and and i don't you know if you if if you allow big government you're not really a conservative in my eyes right so yeah thomas right. is to the right alito's to the right i like gorsuch i think he's probably my favorite on the on the court right now the new guy yeah yeah right. gorsuch is great and don't get me wrong i like thomas too if we had a court full of uh, copy Thomases, I'd be okay with him. What do you think, Sotomayor? Not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. Not surprising. But uh, the the two they actually argued two points, which I I, I wish they would show video of it because I was listening to the audio because the stations were carrying the audio, and the arguments weren't that great. But I one was this technical whether he's an officer of the United States or not, which. I think it's a silly point if you don't consider the president an officer of the United States. And then the other argument was the courts can't decide the issue, that it needed to, an act of Congress, which then puts it back in the political realm, which I didn't think either of them were – those were their two largest points from what I could tell in, the, in Trump's argument. Not that – so I'm kind of interested in what they're going to base their decision on. Um, I, I'm guessing the decision is going to be kind of a head-scratcher a little bit but they're going to end up saying you just can't do this. But I, I'll be interested to see what the opinion looks like. Yeah, I, I, I'm okay with the officer argument. I mean, he's, he's not an officer by right. definition. And if you don't – and I think that's, that's a bit of the difference between the left and the right where I think the left looks more at 
the spirit of things, generally right. speaking, and the right looks at like how is it written? Yeah, common sense. The, the left uses con- the constitution. The left uses common sense, right? No, the the left and the right the just, left uses you know, progressive thinking, which is not. You know, the, the the left looks at the Constitution as a living, breathing document, and the right. right looks at the Constitution as law, right? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I'm just, I'm just, that's I'm, the biggest difference, I think. I'm definitely on that. It's supposed to be a living, breathing document. But um, I also agree that sometimes common sense has to apply because right. how things are written is still open to interpretation. Yep. And changes in technology. And right. um, I guess you could say lots of things. Yeah, other things. Culture, well. social, economic. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I like the term culture so much. I mean, if you look back at slavery, the Constitution, in the eyes of the Constitution, slavery was always illegal, even when it was allowed, and it shouldn't have been allowed in the first place from the point the Constitution was written. But it was. So the Constitution eventually forced people to get it right. But on the other hand, I look at something like the Second Amendment, yep, and I, I see the Second Amendment as, you know, the Second Amendment's been right since the beginning, and now we're trying to make it wrong, go the uh-huh. opposite direction. I would argue so, that a lot was read into the Second Amendment. <laughs> I would argue that the conservatives read much more than was written there into the Second Amendment, but that's for another discussion, which we'll have someday. Yeah. Uh, what else is going on? There was uh, that Tucker Putin interview. Yeah, that's interesting. I was on board. I'm completely on board with Tucker's right to be over there, and I like the idea of hearing from Putin. That said, I don't know. If you do like the idea. Attention. I don't know how much you were paying attention today to what was going on with Tucker, but he was doing videos from like Russian grocery stores and oh, nice. like a, and a train station and talking about how great the grocery stores are and how good they have it over there. And then when you really read into <laughs> it, you start to see that, well, they're, they're paying a gigantic portion of their income on, on groceries over there. Right. So to us, it might be cheap, but to them, when you make nine or $10,000 a year, what they're spending on groceries is crazy. When in America, you're spending about 8% instead of 20 or 30 or 40, what they're spending over there. Right. So, it's, you think he's just gaslighting us with that, or do you think... Uh, I don't know. I Like I said, I was on board, and I kind of thought his intentions noble until I started to see some of that stuff, and I thought, wait a minute here, you know? He's kind of doing a an complete advertisement for the way of life over there. And, I mean, I'm, you know me. I'm not a huge fan of our politicians. I'm all for criticizing our politicians. I am, but I, I, I don't know. There's something there that just sets off alarm bells in my head, head like, what is he thinking? It's probably part of the interview deal, right? Yeah, Maybe. you got you to produce I some, I mean, some prop- propaganda for us and make us it's look possible. good. I mean, I, I, you know, if he agreed to something like that, then he shouldn't have done it in the first place. That's kind of where I stand. I mean, again, journalistic standards. I'm all for going over there, having the interview. It's going to, you know, wait a second. Him, you, called personally, Tucker a thing. Jur- you called Tucker Carlson a journalist? Well, he, he's a member what, of the press. I don't know if I category? call him. I, well, right. I, I wouldn't call him a journalist, generally speaking, but that doesn't uh, mean he can't do I, journalistic acts. He could pretend right? to be one. An interview with right. Putin would be one of them. So, I don't think but, he served yeah, as a journalist I, on that. I, he went from when he was interviewing him, it, to me it was a journalistic act, and now it seems like he's 
he's presenting an image and that that's when it i don't know i don't know what's going on there but i don't like it all right so you, so in the last day you've turned on on tucker i become suspicious i wouldn't all say right. i've turned on him i'd say okay. but I, i've definitely well again i'm not a tucker fan either right but i've become suspicious and i'm curious as to right. what's going on there i'm marking that one down in my book what are you drinking, by the way? I heard you sloshing around something. Uh, extra water, water. Extra no, water, water. Come Yellowstone. on. Yellowstone. I'm drinking a Yellowstone bourbon. It's a uh, hand-picked single-barrel bourbon by uh, a group down here in Tennessee called uh, Milrose Barrel Pickers. And it's about uh, 60% alcohol, and this is actually fantastic. Sounds so good. a lot of the Yellowstone bourbon, I don't know. Actually, one of the guys from Beam started it and their normal bourbon is not bad it's all right but this one is like uh, I, i'm surprised how much i like this single barrel yellowstone pick i should get you a, a sample of it next time Yellow, i see you yellowstone yeah we got to hit the bourbon trail this year it's part of I'm my goals yep. it's part of my goals life goals i am drinking uh i'm mixing I, I, we had a uh on valentine's day we opened an alexander valley cabernet uh it was actually one of those 90 point ones and it's pretty good uh, that's our favorite place for, yeah, I guess for Cabernet. It's in Sonoma, Alexander Valley. I uh, like their wines. Yep. We like that, that region. So if anyone wants to pick up a cab from Alexander Valley, it's all, always delicious. And I'm mixing it with, uh, I still had, uh, some cognac left in, in the bottle. So I've, I've put it over ice as I always do and drinking out of my my glasses with my diet dr pepper so we're we need well to high. schedule another group trip out to the uh wine country wherever it happens to be napa yeah. sonoma would be all right yeah there's talk about a paso robles trip at some point yeah. I think. that'd be all right too go central coast so what about was, that uh kennedy ad the super bowl ad it. you like that i now, was a fan of that i didn't understand he got blowback from the family and he was apologizing for using I guess his uncle's ad, because I, I don't think the family necessarily likes him anymore. They're not on board. The family is very <laughs> kind of party-oriented, and they're not on board. They haven't been on board since the beginning, since he announced his campaign. Um, and, and my assumption, and it's just an assumption, is that because they're you know such kind of party loyalists, that that Robert Jr. going outside of the you know the normal process of letting the incumbent be an incumbent. Is why they've been speaking out against it. Um, I thought the ad was great. I thought it was smart. I don't know. I I felt like it was, you know, firing, taking a shot when it didn't need to be taken because he does honestly, he doesn't have a chance. He should have saved that ad for next next election when he's running against, you know, in a primary. But um, yeah, Yeah, I I liked it. I thought it was a smart thing because. You're not expecting a political ad over the Super Bowl, and it kind of caught your attention because it was in the old oldie timey campaign ad thing. So I think from that standpoint, it worked, and it definitely got the name out there. Uh, it's it's the nostalgia and the respect for Kennedy, which right. makes it genius to me. The problem is because of the nature of his campaign and running in the, basically against an incumbent that's also. A Democrat, even though he's not running as a Democrat currently, he he hasn't been able to build up the the attention or the rapport in the media and in the public as you know as a Kennedy. 
And so I, I really felt like he, he fired a shot way too early on that one. He, he really, you know, he should have waited till he could build a real campaign. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's a genius ad. And honestly, I mean, just me as, as a conservative, somebody that's not really aligned to the GOP either, um, I've got respect for Kennedy. I mean, I think he did a lot of great things. I wish the modern-day Democrats were a lot more like him. RFK Jr., you're talking the, about that, Kennedy? Well, no, I'm talking about JFK. I'm sorry. Oh, JFK. Thanks, All thanks right. I got a lot of respect for JFK. Um, okay. You know, think about what he did with the, the Cuban Missile Crisis. And yep. This is success there. Um, civil rights. He loved uh, the ladies. He's a pioneer there. He loved well, the ladies. He, yeah, can't fault him for that. <laughs> um, I, you know, that, that guy... I think he overall was a really good president. I'm surprised um, to hear you say that. And, and and there's, well, there's really some modern day ties too, because I don't, you can call it a conspiracy theory. You may believe it is or not, but there's, you know, dirty three letter agencies that potentially killed him. At least the rumors are right. And you've now got Trump today speaking about dirty three letter agencies that are undermining him and the American people. And, um, it's just, it's very interesting, you know, the, the, the ties to the thought that he had a good president doing what he was thought, what he thought was right for the American people. And I'm being very specific here about civil rights, but also other things. And, and he got punished for it and he paid the ultimate price for it. And, uh, it's, it's got some very interesting parallels to today, but anyway. You know, yeah, if, if, if the Democrat had more Kennedys today, or more JFKs today, the party did, I, I think that'd be a good thing. And as you read my book, The World I as, I, as I Know It, I'm a, I'm a big believer in that conspiracy. Just makes a lot I of sense too. to me. Yeah. Uh, do we want to talk about, uh, you, you mentioned that there's an incumbent candidate, that an aging incumbent candidate. You, all I get is, is text messages from conservative people of uh joe's mistakes <laughs> although here, here's the thing if you're gonna have a press conference an angry press conference defending your memory don't get <laughs> do not get do not get the president Me between mexico and egypt mixed up now as i said to you but they both have pyramids so i can understand the connection but come yeah. on uh, you know enough Mexico, yeah, it's, it, yeah, that Mexico's our neighbor, right? I, I, I just, I. Here's the thing: he talks about seeing people that have been dead for decades as if they're still here. Maybe he I does. Spoke to this Maybe he does. President, this guy died 40 years ago. Can you prove that he him. doesn't? Well, the, the thing is, is he's calling, he's referring to current presidents as people that died 40 years ago, or presidents or foreign leaders. Bob, as you get older and you progress to your to your immortal grave, I've heard you see the dead. I, I've heard that as well. Okay, so don't just pass it off. I've also heard that you're very close to that point in time when it happens. <laughs> it could happen tomorrow. Yeah, I, you know. I, I asked you this question earlier when we were texting back and forth. I think it was yesterday when when his wife, Jill, asked something along the lines of, hey, do you want to take a picture? And he's like, oh, you know, we already did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and my point is, how difficult would it be for a bad actor or bad influencer 
tell Joe he agreed to something, and he'd just be like, oh, okay. I understand we've got other people in, around him in power that are going to stop something crazy from happening. Yeah, it's a little bit like but, Weekend at Bernie's. I, you know, it is. It's, could, yeah, and he's, he's running again. I, I'm not convinced he's going to be running again past the convention, but it, it, I, I don't think anybody can honestly believe that he's capable of leading the country on his own. And in saying that, I don't think he's capable of hiring somebody. I think he's probably being told who to hire and who's best for roles. And that leaves a lot of open doors for people who want to be corrupt or act in a corrupt manner. So you're, you're, you're seriously concerned about from a national security, from a, from that standpoint that he's just not capable. It's not just that he's getting old. You're, you're actually concerned. And it's not just national security. I mean, on a, on a lesser level, it's what's right for the country. Is he making decisions that he, you know, are, are decisions being made that are right for the country or right for the people who want to make money off of the taxpayer? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Or what have some that other special interest. Because it has nothing to do with his age. It has to do with his mental capacity and his, his you're, ability. You're equating it to the, to the to think. calls that uh 80 year olds get trying to sell them the scammers right the scammers with the 80 yeah, uh, yeah. calling it's not just calling, being, calling your but, grandma up and saying uh i'm a nigerian prince i need eight thousand yeah. dollars and so you're putting them on that level at this point yeah all right uh, exactly fair, exactly. fair enough <laughs> but it's again I, I i'm not being ageist it's not all 80 year olds well, uh, i know plenty of 80 year olds that are i don't know how well with you it know and him. smart uh, him i i think yeah i, I I, I think if a Nigerian prince sent him an email, if he got one of those emails, I think, you know, I'd give it a better than 50% chance he falls for it. Unless Jill intervenes. That would be funny. As, as a matter somebody... of fact, I, 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 I am joking here, but I bet Hunter sent him a few of those <laughs> when he was out of Parmesan. I think that was the subject of one of our, our episodes. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Probably was. <laughs> yeah. Hunter, Hunter the writer Cardone. on that one was genius. Uh, see, I'm, I'm forward looking. Although speaking about all of that, I, th I think that that case is falling apart a little bit based upon the, the FBI informant that just got arrested today. So yeah, well here's yeah. here's a thing too, right? So that that meeting you were referring to earlier, where he was trying to argue that he was mentally competent, and then confused the presidents of Egypt and Mexico. So is the argument he's mentally competent and then he should be charged for the, the classified files? Because it's one or the other, right? He should be charged because he's well, fit to stand trial or he shouldn't be charged because he's not fit to stand trial. I think the argument was, well, number one, he can't be charged as president, I don't think. I think that's that's been established. So it would be after the fact. And I think the argument was that he would be a sympathetic character to a jury that they would just kind of let him go. So we're not recommending charges. I, right or wrong, I don't know. Here's the thing, you know, Hillary did it. Trump did it. Trump's being charged for well, it. Well, it's a little bit Biden did it. Biden's not being charged. Pence did it. Different facts. I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna go into the argument of you know, depends on what party you're aligned to and that's why you're not charged, even though I'd like to, but what I'm saying is if we're not gonna charge these people for this stuff, just change the law. Right. 
because it becomes a political game, a political image, and it does nothing but harm the country. Either charge them or change the law. Well, I think part of the problem was we put too much in those categories, and there's just too much paper that gets classified that way. And I, I don't, I don't know the particulars, but clearly it happens more than it should. And somebody should look into why that's the case. And if that means changing the classifications and the laws, then we should do that because you're right. Why do, why have them if we're not going to um, charge people for keeping this stuff? Because presumably they have lawyers to look through that stuff and say, you can't take this. You could, you could take that. I don't know. if I don't think Joe's boxing up his own stuff, but maybe he is. I don't know. You know? I don't know. I that yeah, yeah I don't know. All right. I wasn't there. It was in enough his garage. On, enough on that. We'll just we'll just hope and pray that something, <laughs> not not that anything bad happens to the president, but that some political change happens that convinces him to to move on. Uh, it would be nice if both the candidates could move on, and we could have a a nicer election uh, with with people who can take the country in a better direction. But here we are, February fifteenth, and that hasn't happened yet. We'll just keep on counting down. <laughs> we got so, we got about nine months, a little under nine months of the election, eight and a half yep, months. Yep, yep. It'll be fun. Anyways, so we had a couple other topics that we wanted to get into a little bit that we we were going to talk about on our last podcast that we didn't get to. Uh, one is, and, and it's kind of topical because inflation data came out uh, yesterday, was it? And it seemed a little bit hotter than uh expected uh primarily driven i think by housing right yeah uh and so this is timely to talk about uh possibly one of the reasons why uh we're seeing not only housing inflation stickiness in housing a non-correction um and i think a lot of people have heard about this but at least generally there's um i don't know if you want to talk about um sort of investors buying houses yeah so it's it's interesting you know i'm, I'm gonna let me go a little bit off topic here to start because you mentioned inflation and, and it being tied to houses a lot first of all inventory continues to be just at extreme lows i mean you know 20 percent of what it was a few years ago and i I had been looking for a house for about two years and having a problem because of the way houses, you know, that two years prior were 50% of what they were being sold for. And I I just could not justify buying a house at that level that rose that fast. And after time went on, I started to realize they continue to go up. They're not going down. And I, you know, I found a, a spot that I was comfortable building in and, you know, get a little more comfortable in my, my pay and finances and things. And I finally said, okay, I'm going to get the house I want or as close to as I, I, I want and can and not feel like I got ripped off because the house is 50% less two years ago and I built. So the neighborhood I, I moved into, and I think I may have told you this, but obviously it's, it's new to the, the audience. They, I went into the model and talked to the sales agent. And, and she told me over a period of two weeks, the neighborhood sold eight houses and a large portion of them were all cash. <laughs> and, and they hit a cap. The, the builder 
the uh, the company won't let her sell any more houses in the neighborhood until March 1st. And this was first week of February, first couple of days of February. I said, well, why is that? And she said, well, they want to spread it out so we're not, you know, we don't empty out the neighborhood and don't have anything to sell until the next phase opens. And she said, this is the first time that it had happened since the middle of COVID. And that um, they, she's got people lined up just waiting for March 1st to buy a couple more houses that they're going to put up. On top of that, they are going to raise prices in the neighborhood as a result. I said, that's crazy. You know, that's, right. that's crazy. And I asked her about another agent who used to be the sales agent for this neighborhood. Actually, that's the sales agent that I had uh, signed with that had moved over three, four miles up the road to a different neighborhood. And she did the same thing. She sold, she sold six houses in a matter of a week and wow. capped out the neighborhood. And it all happened suddenly, just like in a period of, a, you know, just things just took off. Um, now, granted, my neighborhood, um, again, in Tennessee, I've met one family from Texas. And everybody else I've met, probably 10 couples, they're all from California. So it's California money moving out here. Um, take from that what you will. I don't know. could be political. could be all the, the growth out here. Um, uh, there's skyscrapers going up like crazy downtown right now. There's eight or 10 cranes out just within a few blocks of where I work. I can see them from there. There's huge growth. So I believe it, that housing continues to drive inflation. Um, so, yeah, so what what's the reasoning behind that, right? I think a lot of it's state-dependent. There are states out there. Texas is one of them where inventory is going up, right? So I don't think it's all politics. So that's um, that's basically maybe the ability to get permits and all of that stuff, right? Kind of kind of crank up yeah. the crank up the construction side, maybe. Which but I think in some places that's an issue. I do. I think that 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 is an issue some places. I think also there is some migration. Some of it is political. Some of it is taxes. Some of it is jobs. Uh, some of it is just affordability, right? Some of it's it's more affordable to live in some states, and there's enough jobs out there that allow you to work remotely, so people make that move. Yeah, I mean, we uh, definitely saw a COVID probably migration of people moving away, yeah. probably from higher higher cost areas, which would lead to higher housing prices probably, and so they're cashing out at a higher level and maybe moving somewhere else and driving up the prices in that region, right? That's probably what you're seeing from the California side of things. But kind of back to the main topic. I mean, it is undeniable that investment firms are playing a large role in this. They're buying them up to to rent as Airbnbs. They're buying them up to rent as single family rentals. And that is obviously driving up prices it's obviously hurting you know the little guy the new family that's starting out being able to afford houses um and honestly i said it 10 years ago europe has been doing this forever yep a large portion of housing in europe is owned by either yep. companies or landlords yeah, i guess you call them one and the same and so i knew eventually it was going to come to america um our zoning laws, as you alluded to earlier, and the, the ability to easily build things, even though we have a lot of land, is enabling that at this point. And these huge investment firms know how to influence law, so they can they can you know influence law so to make their investments more valuable. 
And yeah, so, so, so in 2021, just to, just to give a little bit more background on it, I read in 2021, 40% of the houses in the Phoenix and Atlanta markets were basically bought by funds, either REITs, hedge funds, basically institutional investors, 40% of the houses. And I, I know people who've been in that market, uh, who've been working for funds that buy up sort of a rent to own pattern. Um, I do think you're headed spot on in regards to this is sort of the European model. I think, I think ho home ownership uh, in the United States came about, uh, I would say it's a 20th century, probably World War II when we really promoted sort of home ownership rather than rentals. Um, so I think we hit a peak with all the, the tax benefits. Clearly we were offering people tax benefits to, to own. A lot of those got scaled back in, in the Trump uh, tax uh, act uh, as far as interest and in, in mortgage uh, and property tax deductibility, especially in the high tax states uh, like Illinois, New York, California, um, which may be causing a trend away from home ownership and letting some of these investors come in. But clearly, if, if you've got people investing for investment purposes rather than to, to actually live in the home as their primary residence, uh, you're introducing deep pockets, a whole different mentality, right? Than somebody who's looking to buy a house because their kids are going to go to school in the district. I mean, these guys really don't care too much about that. They're looking for the ROI and sort of putting these large pools of cash to use. So it's an asset just like any other asset to them. Um, and it can be flipped easily. Yep. So, so it's, I agree. And, and that's something that's created this distortion in the market. And I think it is, although you, you do hear about it a bit, I don't think it's been really drummed into, you know, you don't hear the media kind of drum beating uh, this, but what we wanted to talk about is there's, there's sort of our, our, our representatives sort of start started to look at this. And I, 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 when, we actually were in Vancouver about five or six years ago. And Canada, I think, has, has experienced, similar to Europe, this problem, especially foreign money they, they allowed to come in. When we were in Canada, we were talking to people, I think the guy who was driving us around, because Canadian real estate housing, if you look around Toronto, and I used to work for a Canadian company, so I talked to people about their housing situation. It, it's been crazy for a long time. And they allowed a lot of foreign investment to come in, especially in Vancouver, from Asia, uh, just to buy up properties. Just Some people, of that's happening here, too. There's a lot right, of Chinese money here. Right, yeah. I think there's Russian money. There's, yeah. um, there, there is a lot of it. So not only is it just kind of homegrown hedge fund investors, it's also foreign capital that's looking for a place to, to, to buy assets. So the question is, what, what do you do about that, right? I mean, we believe in free markets, right? We do. You should be able to, I own an asset. I should be able to sell it if somebody wants to buy my, if a hedge fund wants to buy my lake house, shouldn't they, shouldn't I be able to sell it to them? And it, it, all this investment, foreign or domestic, helps those who already own a home, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can buy and your house goes way up and then you go buy in a, a lower priced area or two lower priced areas, right? And you can live your retirement happy. But if you don't own a home yet, 
um, it's a problem. Um, also, it, you know, gentrification is a real issue. I've talked to people who, you know, bought a house in Nashville in a lower income area, a minority. They said they never dreamed their house would be worth as much money as it is. And it's, it's great for them. It's not so great for their neighbors, right? Who a little bit older, maybe can't afford the, the taxes that are rising as a result of the, the property that's rising. Um, it gets more expensive to eat, obviously, things like that. Um, people who are renting instead of own houses there have a problem paying their rent anymore. So it's, it's really interesting. But I, you know, again, if you own a home, it's great. Uh, you're probably not going to complain about the investment money. What concerns me is a few things. What if all these funds find a way to hedge and determine it would make more money for them to drop the value of these houses by dumping them, you know, on a competing investment. Yep. It, it definitely, it definitely creates really distortion bad. and volatility in the market, right? It does. Because they can decide to go to another asset class. They can, there could be particular funds that get, that get caught up and change strategy and they can, if they've, you know, especially if they're heavy in a certain market, they can really affect people's value a of their of, homes, which a lot, lot of people, people rely upon for yep. their net worth, right? That's right. So you it does it does lose become, equity or lose your home real fast. I mean it does become sort of it becomes an asset class where we always think of home ownership as something different than like buying safety. a stock or it's safety, right, it's a future cryptocurrency where where we have that volatility that we know about it. Now it's now it's it's an asset. But yeah, I so what you're the libertarian, Bob. I'm the I'm the nanny state guy. So what do you propose? I mean, there is a bill. We could talk about the bill. It's called Ed, End Hedge Fund Control of America's Home Act. It was a new, introduced into Congress. I think it's Malarkey out of Oregon um, yeah. is the rep that, that introduced it. Um, so what do I propose? Same thing I, I, I propose for most all laws and I think it needs to be local, maybe at the state level, maybe at the the county level, maybe at the city level, maybe at the neighborhood level. I don't like Airbnbs, right? I'm not a fan of HOAs either, but one <laughs> thing HOAs do effectively is say you're not to right, do a short-term right, rental yep, in our neighborhood. Yep. They right? keep out the investment class, right? Yep. It's bad for neighborhoods. It's bad for communities. You don't want to party next door to your house every night of the week or even once a week where bad things happen yep. or maybe good things, depending on who you ask. And if you're single, um, so I think it needs to be local. I, I do. I think. So you don't agree with like a national act that, so this national act basically was that I guess they're, they're including a tax penalty for institutional investors for every home owned over a hundred so it's $20,000 per year. So basically it's trying to get these, these, and here's the little part of unintended consequences. So if you start doing that and they start divesting, as you pointed out, <laughs> because it doesn't make financial sense, then they yep. could drive down home values in all the markets, right? Real Quickly. Fast. Right. It's the unintended consequence. You're right. damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. We'd let them and in the I, door already. I, I do kind of lean towards foreign entities, especially foreign governments. Like people affiliated with the government should not be able to buy land in America. 
I, I don't agree. like the idea of China buying American farmland with yeah. a house next door to me. Yep, I agree. Um, so yeah, that may obviously have an effect on home prices and equity. But from a, a national uh, security standpoint, I just I don't think it's a great idea. Well, part of the thing is, so you wouldn't even be fine like these hedge funds get money from sovereign funds and and whatnot overseas. You're saying even if they went through like a domestic hedge fund that raised money from overseas, they wouldn't be allowed to do it either. Yeah, it's I I don't know. You know, when you get, when you get to that level, as long as they don't have direct you probably have to have a percentage, right? Maybe right. a non they could maybe invest but not have a voting right. So a minor percentage that right. if the hedge fund wanted to raise money. Yep. I mean I'm 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 fine. I think I'm fine with a total ban on institutional ownerships of homes. That's how far I would go. Yeah. I I, I just I just man, think it distorts things so a lot of people completely. lose a lot of equity with that law. Well now they would. Yeah, they sure would. But that's that would bring home prices back down to probably where they. Yeah, but if you bought a house tomorrow, how would you feel about it on Saturday? I guess. It, oh well, you wouldn't feel that great, <laughs> right? <laughs> Too bad, so sad. I mean, that, that's how I felt a year ago. I thought the same thing. Like, oh, this would be great for me, right? Throw out the. Throw yeah, but you my, might not have that issue. You, print, you throw out my principles. Yeah, well, yeah, you, you don't know. I mean, you throw the market in the chaos, you don't know what's going to happen. What it comes down to is when you make a decision to do something, you, you, you better feel prepared that you can weather a storm. And if not, then, you know, you're dumb in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really kind of a sticky question because I think we all like the fact that that home ownership is different than other assets that so we should kind of – treat it differently but then now that you've gotten so much in the door and the price run up that much right if we had started with these rules and said we wouldn't be where we're at now and so it's like how do we back out of this now that pandora's box has kind of been opened and i read that 26 percent of all homes sold in june 2023 were from investors in the that's country or in number. the region or in the a, country, a market in the country that's a that's a huge number that's a big number that very obviously kept number. things afloat last year that's it and like we said it's it's there's it's why inventory we're, already it's why we're not seeing inventory it's not why we're not seeing the regular what we would expect correction when rates went up right yeah i, I was mean, i was reading last month there was a large percentage increase in active homes listed but at the same time, first thing is the the bar was so low. While it was a large percentage, it wasn't much in the scheme of things. And secondly, at that same time, buyers went up and contracts went up. So a, a significantly large percentage of the large percentage got eaten up. Hmm. So it's, it continues to be, and that makes sense given my story yep. at the beginning of this segment, right? I mean, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, me I've been tracking the Phoenix market. And I mean it's it's gotten a little bit I would say moderated or or softening, but not anywhere near what I mean even the correction that people were predicting a year ago or so or a year and a half ago. It just hasn't and like you said, 
homes are 50%, 75%, higher than they were five years ago or four years ago, which is crazy. Um, so we'll see what happens on that. I think I'm good with something more drastic, uh, but um, I don't suspect anything will be done. Even, but you maybe something will happen on a local level. Yeah, I think I, it is happening on a local level in some areas. New York banned Airbnbs yep. or short-term rentals, I should say. So that covers right. the VBRO or VRBO, whatever it is, Airbnb. Um, I think California has done some of that. Some other local communities uh, in Texas have done that. So yeah, it's happening. And in those areas, houses are getting cheaper. Um, if the right people lose money, they'll reverse those laws. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I, I think that's a good idea. I agree with you that real estate is always about local, you know, each market is, has its unique characteristics and its unique issues. So, um, I think it probably is better off to be dealt with on a local level, um, that they could tailor to their own conditions. Uh, rather than have a federal mandate that might affect markets differently and then everyone has to abide by it. Um, the other thing we wanted to cover, anything else on that? I'm good. Uh, so we're going to open up, uh, hopefully not too long, but open up the, the a topic that we've wanted to talk about, which is religious freedom. It hasn't really been in the news recently that much, I guess. I, I recently read a couple books um, dealing with uh, religious freedom, and I think a, there's a lot happening on the court and legislature level that's sort of under the radar as far as religious freedom goes. Um, but uh, I think it's an interesting topic. So just to set the scene, when we talk about religious freedom, I guess the the obvious example, uh, I think it was in Indiana, probably 10 years ago, is the, the bakery asked to bake a wedding cake for a gay couple. It's Colorado. Colorado. That's true. Uh, there might have been another one in Indiana, but there's been a couple cases like that, I think. But I, you're, I think you're right. There was one in Colorado. Um, so my f first question is why would somebody who clearly thinks uh the that a gay couple is an abomination why would the gay couple want them to bake their wedding cake that's that's the question i always ask it's like why if these people are of that thinking why i understand the discriminatory issue but why would you even want to press it so i, I think a part part of why i say that is i think part of this is to set up legal cases and legal precedent rather than, i was going to say that but you said yeah. it for me yeah, I think on both sides of the issue, I think. I think both on the people who pr are promoting religious freedom and on the other side for the LGBTQ and, and various other communities that have been discriminated against. Or um, I think on both sides, I think there's definitely a desire to get this in the court system and, and get that resolved. So, because on the face of it, it's just like, okay, go somewhere else and maybe there isn't somewhere else to go um but i know if somebody had that opinion of me i would say i'm not going to give you my business um uh, yeah I, I don't like feeling uncomfortable 
right? Right. It doesn't really matter what it's about. I don't. I, I don't like being in an elevator with people that make me feel uncomfortable. Let alone going into their business and trying to get them to sell me something. So, I, I, I'm on par with exactly what you're saying there. I think it's kind of ridiculous. But maybe the cake is really good. That could be. Maybe. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's really good cake. Maybe. In which case. Maybe, maybe, maybe I would. Maybe, maybe I would. Being, maybe being a bigot is a prerequisite to making the best cake in the world. Maybe they are good cake makers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, to play devil's advocate here, and, and, and I think you probably know already I'm on the, the right of the religious person's. I'm on the side of the religious person's right to refuse. That said, you run a business, somebody's willing to buy your cake. Wedding cakes and bakeries are expensive. It's not uncommon to find a $100 specialty cake at a bakery, right? If you're not a grocery store, you're a bakery. You make $100 selling a cake. I don't care what you got to put on it. If I was a baker and had those skills and somebody walked into my bakery and said, I'd like you to put on my cake that you suck, me being me, you know? Uh, baker of this bakery sucks horribly. Put that on the cake. And I'm going to pay $100 and buy it. I would absolutely do it, right? That's me. You would. I would do it. I want that you $100. To, you need to open up a bakery, Bob. That's a lot of money. $100 to sell a cake. What's a cake cost to make? Five bucks? Ten bucks? You, you whore. I'm guilty as charged, right? <laughs> I, 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 I do like money. All right. You know, my, my kids are expensive. I know how to get you now, Bob. So <laughs> for you, it's going to be $200. <laughs> All right. But I'll put whatever you want on the cake. <laughs> so <laughs> the cupcake, that is $100 <laughs> for the cupcake. But I, I, my thought is these people on both sides are absolutely ridiculous. It's, a, it, it's an argument created to make more arguments and to get people to argue and cause division. Well, we agree who, on that. At who, least. who cares? I don't, I don't care what you do in your house, Kevin. I certainly don't want to know half of it, probably 75% of it. I don't care. It's not, yeah, that was a personal attack, but it was also a joke. I don't care. You know, it, but that said, there are probably people out there that are legitimately religious, uh -huh. legitimately not wanting to do it for religious reasons. Yep. I believe they're misguided, but I also believe constitutionally they've got that right. So, all right. Um, so you're saying, as far as the bakery case, you're saying the bakery, while misguided, if they believe from a religious standpoint, it's uh, a gay marriage is against their religious beliefs, um, uh, despite the law in this country, right? You can't discriminate again based upon sex, gender, I forgot all of them. Religion. But, right. Religion. Um, Height. That, that they should Hair, be... Hairline. They should be able to get an Those exception. Those are two important ones. So they're, they're asking for an, ex for an exception to that law, right? Because they're discriminating, right? No. So here's, the, here's where right. the line is in my eyes. Here's the line. The line is the line begins where you're infringing on the rights of others. All right. Okay. So in the case of the couple who wanted the wedding cake, 
there's not a right to buy a cake in the Constitution. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Okay. Well, there, there, there's not a not right. A lot of... yeah, right. There's a right to to buy a cake, but there's not a right to buy a cake with a a religious, anti-religious, or political message on it. Right. You can still well, buy the cake. Not, they just can't mean? have the happy. They're just a gay couple looking for a wedding cake. What, what are you getting yeah, into well, the, the religious argument? The well, and, and, argument. and in the case of both cases, because there were at least a couple, the, the the baker would have sold the cake. They just were not willing to write uh, the message. Which was? I don't know exactly what it was, but it oh. was probably something like, congratulations, Matt and Matt, on your wedding. You know what I mean? <laughs> That does, that, I, I, don't I, don't, I don't know. That doesn't seem that bad. I don't know. Again, Matt and Matt could have put that on their cake, right? Could I mean, they could have. They could have wrote that on there. We, we both agree this is a little bit of a, a construct here. We're just talking within the construct. If somebody walks in and says, I would uh, please write uh, congratulations, Matt and Matt, on your wedding, on the wedding cake, and... You, that's what you do. That's what you offer people, right? Can you say, as as an owner, I mean, I owned a business too. Uh, can you say, based upon the laws of this country, that I don't believe, I mean, they're, they're just basically saying, uh, based upon their religious belief, they believe homosexuals are, I don't know, an abomination or whatever, whatever their particular it's religious not, belief I don't, is. I don't think in these cases it was personal. It wasn't, they weren't refusing to sell the cake. They were refusing to write the message. Be it's like you, if you had, uh, if a, if a six gay one half couple, doesn't have another. if a gay or lesbian couple had come into your wine store and you refused to sell them a bottle of wine, then absolutely you would be liable for violating their rights. However, if they wanted you to change the label on the bottle of Opus One to be careful, uh, something. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of ideas there. I know you did. You were hesitant. You were hesitant. You were hesitating. My That's wife is going to be so proud of me. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's we so get the me. point. You're, you're saying that it right. was a, it was a bridge too far. That it was acknowledging that this it was acknowledging that this cake was for a gay wedding. If I could just bake a cake and sort of avoid that it's for a gay wedding, I'll bake the cake. That's right. what you're saying. That's right. I still think that's discriminatory, but um, but I think they won well, the case, didn't they? It, I think they won the case, right? It it didn't have to be about ooh, the bakery won the case, yeah. yeah. So, but if it had been different and it had been a Satanist couple, right? Somebody, is that the term for people who worship Satan? Satanist. Sure. Somebody came in and said, "I want you to bake me a cake and put an image of Satan and say, uh, you know, Satanists unite." And the baker said, "No, that same rules apply, right?" The baker didn't have to sell them a cake. Uh, would your would your opinion change? You know, if it wasn't about a well, gay couple, but it was about uh, Satan. Are Satanists a protected class under our law? I guess that's that. I don't think they are, are they? It's you could they're, say it's they're it's a freedom of religion. There's a there's a pro Satanist statue in the halls of Iowa's capital. Well, religion is a protected, is a protected class. class. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, then I guess it would be against the law. Uh, well, yeah. it's it's interesting, right? Because same thing. I mean, you can't you can't discriminate based on religion or sex, sexual orientation. Same thing goes though. The baker is making the cake, and he got as long as he's willing to sell the cake without the message, it's legal. All right, let's talk about something other than cake because I think that's fairly simple. I, I'm 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 fine with the baker not baking the cake, I guess, because I think there's other options, right? I think it's fairly easy to find another baker. So let's go to like the Hobby Lobby case where the ACA required them to include birth control, right? And their health insurance plan, right? So they asked for, based upon their, now, now there's many different things in this case that really kind of blur it even more. One, Hobby Lobby is not a person. It's a corporation, right? So do corporations have religious freedom? Hmm. Is it a public company? Uh, it doesn't matter. It's a corporation. They've incorporated. Okay. So uh, they get the protection, the, the liability protection and whatnot as a corporation. So it's a non it's a non-personal entity. And we've talked about whether corporations have rights under the Constitution. I generally don't believe they do. Um, because I think they're a legal construct and they're not a natural person. So you've got that. And then you've got the fact that I think they offered birth control before the ACA and only brought it up, at least from what I read, they only brought it up after the fact, but then you have employees, right? That by law are entitled to the ACA required birth control coverage through insurance. I guess Hobby Lobby could have paid a fine or a penalty or whatever um, based upon the requirements of the ACA. Um, I think they decided not to do that and to fight the case, saying because of their religious freedom, they didn't believe in birth control. So they, by offering it to their employees, they were going against their religious beliefs. So I read this book called The Crusade, which I recommend because it kind of goes into this whole religious freedom and what's happening in the courts and how this is kind of a, a back. There's definitely a movement within the legislatures and the courts to kind of, kind of push back on a lot of the, um, especially on, on Christianity, um, the more secular views of our kind of government pushing towards more of a secular state from a, um, from what they view as kind of a historical Christian country. Um, so Hobby Lobby is a big promoter of that. Um, so they covered, supposedly they covered this drug before they've invested money in manufacture, uh, manufacturers import most of their products from China, which is unchristian, have different abortion policies. I'm just guessing. So it's just sort of, con I would say it appears convenient that they have an issue here, but there's other parts of the business that they've sort of overlooked some of those things, I guess. Um, but the, I guess the point is here, you're, you're really creating a heavy burden on your employee then. So to me, the switching costs are higher from a bakery where you could probably go to another baker or bake the cake yourself or do a million other things here. You're an employee of, Hobby Lobby, presumably 
for a good deal of time where you were covered before and now you've not been there's, covered under certain there's time. no switching cost if you never worked for hobby lobby but if you were an employee there did they already have it yes did they My have understanding it, and is it that they were they had it before yeah they had it and they canceled it so that i mean yeah i think that somewhat complicates things i think probably the employee if they left for purposes of the coverage being cost should be their loss should be eligible for unemployment right well, that, that's a whole other matter we could get into but I, but i i you know i think i look at it from a free market standpoint i know we're talking about religion if you don't like that employer's benefits, go work for another employer. What does Hobby Lobby pay? At best, minimum wage. At best, maybe a couple of dollars over minimum wage. I, you can I, go work at uh, lots of other companies. I don't. Are, di I don't disagree. And again, I, I would equate it to higher switching costs than the guy in the bakery situation, right? It is a little bit more to, especially if you've worked somewhere, to go find another job. It's not necessarily something you want to do. So it's, but the the problem is here that the 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 religious freedom they're passing along that burden to their employees, whether it's switching jobs or paying for this out of pocket, right? Their religious and you talked about as long as it didn't impose anything on other people or, or quote unquote a right, but yep. but to me religious freedom should be borne by the people who are espousing that freedom, right? The cost so, of it is being passed upon to somebody else, right? They're they're passing on the cost of their beliefs to somebody else. But they have that right constitutionally. Uh, I think they I think they I see I'm, I'm trying to stay out of metaphors here. But I can look at many other examples of metaphors where you're passing on the cost of your belief to somebody else. And I'm, I'm not going to say the number one thing I'm thinking of right now, because it's going to take us way off topic. But if you just look at it as the letter of the law and the law being the constitution, you have the right to religion. Yeah. Right. So they and can practice given their that religion. right, you can make decisions. They can practice. Nobody's telling them they can't practice their religion, Bob. They, they have freedom of religion. They can. But if their religion says want. birth control is a sin or immoral, but they own a corporation now, they have employees. There's a law that says they need to provide the. So they're, they're not, not telling just, their. They're not they're saying not, their employees can't use birth control. They're just saying that we're not paying for it. But the law says they need to pay for it. The law. Right? There's a law. There, yeah, but there's a higher it. law that says the religion trumps the law. Well, where do you draw? And as long as you they're not infringing talk... on somebody else's right, oh. because they're not they're not stopping that person from using birth control, and they're certainly not stopping them from going to work somewhere else where it'll be paid for. Well, my 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 religion says I can I I can't drive more than less than ninety miles an hour on the highway. So let me make. I mean, I, I'm worried, you, you like the slippery slope arguments. I, Where do you yeah, draw the so line? So that's fair. If your religion says that you can't drive, you're good than, with that. You, I, you can make that argument. No, but that said, you're you're potentially infringing on the other person's right to safety, right? Safety. So you yes. are passing the burden on to somebody else, just like they are with this 
with this law, right? I mean, if you're going to carry that argument, then, and I agree with it, that, that there's a but cost, if, there's a cost to other people for your religious belief, in which case there's a cost here also. There's evidence out there that birth control causes health issues later in oh, life. Oh, that's irrelevant. Is it? That's, that's not Because argument. you were talking safety. That's not their argument. We're talking, it's not their argument, but we're still, we're talking safety. So, I mean, uh, it's, it's, you know, uh, no, you might have people uh, back 10 years ago when the laws changed and people quit smoking in uh in the shop anymore. People quit because the law said you couldn't smoke when you were running a machine. So people, people retired or quit and left. Right. Yep. But I, I guess the question is how, where do you, I mean, the Supreme Court ruled in this case that they decided with Hobby Lobby. I, I generally, I agree with the Supreme Court. It violated their privately held for-profit corporations right to religious freedom. Mm -hmm. <sighs> it's a well-documented religious belief. It's not. My, my argument here would be more around the corporate entity than even the burden to the employee. Because I, I agree. I'm always like, if you don't like the rules that your corporation, and I said it in COVID too, you know, if your corporation has a COVID mandate or whatever, you, it's not like they're locking you in prison. You could go work somewhere else, right? So I never considered it a mandate. Because um, sure. we, we do have the ability to go somewhere else. And especially if you're working for a corporation who might not be aligned with your belief system and and whatnot why would you want to even work for that corporation right here yep, that's that's exactly right here's where i would go if i was challenging hobby lobby and maybe they did i don't know i would look for evidence that showed they were doing this to save money or something else right so all their emails should have been and, and somebody could have found a case right beyond the religious belief argument but it was a violation of, I don't know, something, or an I should say infringement of some personal right. There should be some email evidence saying this was being done to save money, at lower costs, or, you know, some other reason beyond religion. Should have been out there, should have been subpoenaable, and it, you know, it should have been subject to court analysis. I have a hard time believing that that angle wasn't taken given, you know, lawyers and their, their experience. So that said, if the evidence is out there, show it. And then absolutely Hobby Lobby should have to reverse that. If not, then you have to take it face value. It's religious freedom. All right. So we, we you agree with the Hobby Lobby case. I, I, I sort of see the point, but I have a problem with the corporate veil here that they used because they're a corporation. They're not a person. Uh, I don't think corporations have religious freedom. Um, but here's, here's another thing, school choice. And this has become a big thing. So I think you're going to go against this at this point, but I, I don't know. I, we haven't talked about it. So in the 2007-2018 school year, 100% of the schools registered for Wisconsin Par Parental Choice Program were religious, and all but three were Christian. So, basically, taxpayer dollars are now going to fund 
religious education through these school choice programs, which is a big deal because it's a big push, especially from the right and school choice. And a lot of this is going into parochial and religious education. What do you feel about that? Uh, I think this needs more context, to be honest with you. What do you um, mean context? Taxpayers are paying for religious education. You're good with that? What the law basically states is parents have a right to determine where they want to send their kids to school. Separation of church and state. Why are we, why is taxpayers and therefore, paying for religious education? Yeah. So and, and therefore, well, that's fair. So you have a very religious family and they're paying taxes and they're paying taxes for schools and therefore um that they want and, and they decide they want to send their kids to a private school instead of a public school because the public school is failing on some level whether it's measurable or it's just in their eyes right i'm i'm, I'm assuming there's some measurability to it um, i think what it comes down to is there does need to be some some measured reason and if there's a measured reason i think it's completely fair because they're paying taxes. Fair. It's Who's completely fair to say the, the, tax, the, the children's parents, they're paying taxes for school. Public schools, right? Well, they're paying taxes for schools when they have kids and they want their kids to have the best education. And by some level, the public school is failing or the alternative is failing. So they want to send wow. their, their kid to the non-failing school. I think that's fair. That's, that's, they're that's paying it. taxes. So you're good with school choice and you're good with... If that I'm choice, school choice, if that happens to be a religious school, even though I guess in this case, hundred percent of them are going to religious schools, you're fine. Historically, that has not been the case. Historically, if you wanted to send your kid to a religious school, you had to come out of pocket. Yeah, well, historically though, there. But there's you know, been a big push recently for one school choice, two to allow religious institutions with taxpayer dollars. I've never sent a kid to school. I pay taxes to school districts, right? Do you do, do I feel you live in this well you do live in I feel now, good. But... So here Bob, uh when I yeah. Let's say when I was in Illinois, I was paying thousands of dollars a year to the local school district, right? Excessive. Yes. Yes. I was paying and I would hope that that would go to the public education. So my property would be based upon the quality of the school district where my tax dollars go. Rather than having somebody theoretically take my tax dollars and go somewhere outside of my district to buy an education somewhere else. So what, what recourse did you have if, if your local school district sucked? What measurement what, was what there? Recourse? Could you just stop? Could you say, you know, I could what? Send my, my kid. Thirty percent of the kids in this district are are thirty percent of the kids in this district are passing, seventy percent are failing. I don't want to pay taxes for this garbage anymore. Could you just say that? No. What okay. your choice was was to come out of your pocket and pay for it elsewhere, and many did. And I'm fine with that. Don't take my money. Somebody was taking my money that I was paying into that school district, right? And mm -hmm. redirecting it, right? Mm -hmm. I have a problem with that as a property owner. I didn't have any kid in school, but 
but I knew that somebody might come. So they're taking the so, money from the district that I'm supporting, right, and going elsewhere, which is going to lead to my district spiraling downward, and I don't even have a kid in school. To me, that goes against I'm, I'm, I was almost fine with supporting the school. That, plus, I believe people should be educated, and somebody did it for me, I guess, when I was a kid, and that's kind of how we – that's part of the process of society. So I never really complained about it. But now I have a problem that somebody's taking some of that dollars and is going to go somewhere else with it. The great thing about that is it's local that's, level, right? That's not it's how a society level, so works. You can, so you can move. Let alone a religious education, right? Not not even a public. Are we are we arguing this from a national standpoint, or are we arguing it from a local standpoint? Well, all of this is because if it's local, a federal right? thing, and no, I don't like I don't like the federal education entities either, right? I'm not a fan of the NEA at all, but yeah, this is local, so you can. I mean, it's a community thing. I'm I'm totally cool with whatever the community wants to do. So you're fine. They can always move out. You're fine with tax dollars going to parochial educations, religious education, and you're fine with churches and schools also getting a tax exemption on top of that. So they're not contributing to the system. They're not being rewarded for their religious beliefs. They're being Seems rewarded like for the way they're performing in educating children. Seems like a catch for the 20. safety of children. I think it's safety as safety. well as education. They're 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 asking for their cake and eating it too because they're asking for a tax exemption, and then they're asking for tax dollars to fund them, right? And do, do you know they're not that, asking for you know it? That, they're not asking for it. The schools got like it's free market four education and eight billion dollars of PPP funds. Religious schools got it, so they're getting tax dollars now. They're and they're tax exempt. Oh. I, you know, I've never liked, you know, it's a fine line. I'm, I'm saying I, either do it one way or another. I understand the benefit to society. Dollars. I understand the benefit to society, to society and tax funded education. I think absolutely everyone has a right to education, no matter how much money their family makes. I absolutely agree with that. That said, I also agree with a parent who says, I don't want my kid going to school A and learning what's being taught in school A or being exposed to what school A intentionally exposes my children to. I want them to go to B. And since I'm paying for this education yeah. of students, they're not, you're not, as a parent, you're still paying for this public school district with your taxes just a portion of that is going to this other school system because that's where you want your kid to go to. I think we're all in it together. I think, I think the responsibility is to fix the public schools, not well, to if we're not to drain resources. We should be sending monies to schools. schools that are performing in a oh. in a manner that people want to send their schools to. Yeah, but non-public schools have different standards, and they're non-union, right? Tell you but, what. They have different you know standards that get, other schools. Get the federal so. government out of public education, and I'll, I'll agree with you. I don't want federal standards and what has to be taught in local schools. Get that out of there, and, and we can eliminate the 
the the uh, choice system. Yeah, because I, now I, you're allowing the community. I, I, I agree that I, I've always been. I don't think I don't understand the point of a Department of Education. Um, I do think education should be local. Uh, the tax dollars come mostly local. There are some federal subsidies and whatnot that flow through. Uh, I guess I'm great with the municipalities and the states. If they want to stop taking federal dollars, that's fine also. Um, and fund it on their own because it should be a wash at the end of the day. Uh, but I am concerned about this separation of church and state thing when, when we see a push towards things like this. Uh, just to let you know, just kind of wrap this up. Uh, I, I read that since Roberts has taken over the, the court, and I think the court is now, and I, you know, I grew up Catholic. I'm, I'm Christian. I'm, I'm not speaking. I'm not an atheist or agnostic or anything. I just, I just don't. I like the separation of church and state, and I think we're seeing a push towards the other direction. So since the Roberts Court took over, and I think, I want to say there's seven Catholics on the Supreme Court. Six or seven are Catholics, uh, yeah. and some of them pretty strong conservative Catholics. Uh, and being former Catholic, uh, I'm just saying this is the makeup of our Supreme Court. So Christianity prior to, like, in cases that have come up, religious cases, before Roberts became um, Chief Justice, 44% of the cases were ruled in the favor of Christian religion. Now it's 85%. Yes. yes. So, so there's definitely a bias in our judicial system to kind of, and that's why we saw a Hobby Lobby case go one way and the bakery case go that way. I don't think you, it's, it's not necessarily. Uh, you've somewhat made me change my mind and, and not on oh! the Hobby Lobby or the bakery That's case, true. but oh, I'll say no. this. I'll say this. So maybe you're right. Tax money should not go to religious schools, but that said, other private schools without a religious class, right? So religious schools, generally speaking, you have to go to class once a week or once a day or whatever oh, it is yeah. to learn about There's religion. Religious right? education, yep. All right. So that said, if you have a non-denominational or non-religious school, would you be okay with that? Because, and, and here's the thing, right? I mean, there's a lot of public schools that are eliminating honors classes or advanced education. You know, um, there's certain programs that are being eliminated because it's not fair to the, I'm going to say this, but I don't mean it beyond the words, dumber kids. Kid A is too dumb to be in honors classes. It's not fair, so we're not having honors classes. That's ridiculous. If I was a parent, and I am a parent, I would want my kid be eligible to go to an honors class and if it doesn't exist I don't want my kid to go to that school right even if my kid is too dumb to go to honors classes I still want my <laughs> you still kid want exposed. it there you want it I in still their want face my kid exposed to honor students because smart I'm people. Assume some of that will help them a little bit rub off right? on them that's me and it's going to force competition at least right it's going to force my kid to learn something to compete. your girls will be in honors class I know they so, will be Bob so so 
I will grant you maybe I will grant you tax money should not be going to religious schools because they're forcing religious teaching. If you're a Jewish person, I could understand why you wouldn't want your kid forced to sit in a Catholic course teaching you about how well the Catholic religion. I would so, hope somebody wouldn't do that. Um, yeah, I, I I guess if you're saying if I'm I am generally open to school choice. I think it should. I don't think it's been proven out yet. I've read a couple books in the last six months on school choice and and the whole testing regime and the No Child Left Behind. And then I think Obama. I forgot the program Obama had, but No Child Left Behind started with Bush. the The way we're scoring our schools changed to make them look. At least this is what the theory was in the books, to make them look like they're failing. So the so that people could promote school choice, which I think uh, Betsy DeVos, who was the head of DeVos, DeVos under Trump, uh, she was a big proponent of school choice. And I think was invested <laughs> heavily or the family had a lot of money in, in private charter schools. Nonetheless, I, I, I understand the, um, the school union, the teachers union, and their pervasiveness within the Democratic Party. Um, I do think uh, something needs to happen on that. Uh, I don't think necessarily charter schools and school choice has proven out yet, uh, at least what I've read. I'm willing to say that we should experiment with it and see whether we could get better results through that. My fear is that um, we hollow out our public schools and they end up going down a further cycle, which might be the goal of the pro for-profit uh, charter school uh, program and companies that invest in charter schools, um, which is a further privatization of what I consider sort of not so much, I don't compare schools to prisons, but some people may, um, similar to prisons where we've privatized them and then the incentives all change. So I'm open to it, but I think we need to be very careful with how we go about it. We shouldn't necessarily just jump into it. We should research it. We should have studies. Uh, we should uh, do it on a limited basis to understand what the, the end results are. And if the end results are positive for students and society as a whole, absolutely, we should go in that direction. But I think there's money behind trying to push us in that direction uh, prior to being fully uh, investigated. I guess that's my point. So are you saying you charter schools are good as long as they're not religious? <laughs> are you saying no? No, I'm saying. Is the argument changing? I'm saying they deserve. I'm open to the idea, but they should be researched and well documented if they actually result in what they're saying that they're going to do right there should be studies done longitudinally say okay what happens when we have who's paying for these studies well the i don't know the department of education how many kids could we, have had we, their education we, paid for it? <laughs> we, we should have longitudinal studies saying okay here's what happened in this district when we introduced school choice Here's what happened. Here's how, here's how the people who stayed in the public school did. Here's what happened to the people who went to the charter schools. Here's their scores before. Here's their scores after. 
Is it a good thing? Did it did it improve both of them? Did it improve one sector over another? What were the makeup of those two different groups? Are we, disadvantaging, the, are we disadvantaging a certain group by doing we're this? Getting back to I the mean, feds, we to, we're getting back to the feds making decisions for a local level. No, That's we could do problem. that on we could do I that mean, on a local basis. We yeah, can do that I mean, on a local well, basis. Well, it's not the Department of Education. Well, whoever, it's... whoever. It could be privately funded studies. I don't I don't care. I I would think that the vouchers if the if the voucher schools or the choice schools or the charter schools think they have such great programs, they should be funding these studies because if they could prove that it helps everyone, why wouldn't why wouldn't they be funding these studies? So So, so that's what about my this? proposal? What what about the and this is I'm fine with making it a, a requirement again on a local level that religious schools no charter schools yes however you could add a requirement that religious schools can get it so as long as the students are not required to take the religious class and it's optional yes or no so the the nun is going to still teach you but she's not going to teach you religion is that what you're suggesting yep <laughs> I don't know. I'm not saying. I think that. we should have done that because I, I think that's a little. I think that's a little crazy. A fair question. So the the cross is still up in the room, but we're you don't have to take the course. Uh, no, you're right. That's we a good might point. slip in a Bible in verse room. every once and again. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Cross right. is still up in the room. That's bad. It's All just right. like that's the same thing as having a. Well, I'm not, let's not go down the path. We'll end it on that note. Yeah, so, since we've converted over to school choice from religious freedom, but they are sort of related here. All right, Bob. I think we've this covered... This was a great cast. Yeah, I, I like, like to one. think so, too. I think it was our best yet. Let's rate it. All right. Well, all right. we'll talk to you soon. This was a full one. Take care. Good night. Bye. Bye, all.